the turnaround time for things is 75% easily longer than it used to be. Not, yeah. yeah, it's more than half. And so I have people with an expectation saying, Hey, you know, I need, I have a project coming up that we need build, or we need to do a build and I need to make sure that I have everything in order, you know, and they give me, I don't know, a month or two to do it. It's not long enough anymore. Yeah. I need minimum, minimum 90 days to do anything, even small stuff. And I think it's kind of lost on the consumer of the insurance product that that's where we're at now. And we don't just, you know, type in what you're doing into Google and it shoots back a price. That's, that's not how it works. Yeah. We actually have, have an underwriter shortage. Yeah. I mean, it's quite honestly, we do not have enough people that are able to assess the risks and, and, and perform everything on the carrier side. So the retail agent myself is sitting there going, listen, I really do know this is a timeliness issue. And if I can change the world, I would do that for you, mm-hmm. but I can't go it. They're even experiencing those issues. And then speaking towards, I talked about premium increases based on all those things. That's a big challenge and understanding yeah. why those things are so high. Um, the influx of people coming in is also affecting that. If you think about it, there's more bodies on the road. Yeah. And that's more opportunity for accident. That's more people who are not Texas insured that don't necessarily have their policies in order, or maybe they're underinsured. So we're, there's a lot of litigious situations that are mm-hmm. taking place as well. Welcome to Winning Strategies Playbook, the podcast where we welcome business leaders, CEOs, and industry experts to discuss the rise to the top, building wealth, and real estate insights. Here's your host, Jeremy Spann. Welcome to Winning Strategies Playbook. For more information on this show, you can go to our website, myexperiencedrealtor.com. And for my fellow Marines out there that's experienced with an ED at the end of it, click on podcast, scroll down to this episode and any other episodes and hit the read more button to find out about our fabulous guests. And today we are here with Jordan and Beth. How are y'all doing? Doing great. Doing good. Doing great. Lovely day in Fort Worth. Man, I feel like I seriously dressed down today. (laughs) Y'all come in here, like y'all are going to be like presidents of the planet. And then I'm wearing a Tommy Bahama shirt. Oh, you look like you're dressed for the weather. I'm dressed for the weather. <laughs> like, it was funny. It's, uh, I had a, I'm had on TCU's NBA alumni board, and last week had a board meeting, and I was literally like, I, do I have a jacket? <laughs> I'm looking through. I was like, oh, wow, I got like three button-up shirts, right? It's funny. Right. COVID has caused that, right? Like, who, who needs things anymore? You know, so I was it, stuck in my house for about two years when I'd taken this consulting job right at the beginning of 2020, not realizing that, you know, in a month and a half, I was going to get stuck at home. And I was used to wearing suits about every day. And when I started working with Jordan, I had to go into the closet and like actually get dust literally (laughs) off of jackets so I could, you know, pull outfits out. We've actually had to have a conversation with the staff now that the world's opened back up. We're kind of like, okay, guys, people are coming in and we're seeing No more sweatpants. Pajamas (laughs) are not really on the scope anymore. We need to regroup about that. So brush your hair, be good. So yeah, we've we've definitely had to regroup about that. Oh, it's funny. So you know, Cowtown Warriors ball we have on the last Saturday of February every year. And so I, I I fly back and forth. Like Laura just stays in Colorado. She's like, you can go back to Texas, right? So I'll just usually fly in for a few days and then fly back. And she's like, hey, when you fly back, fly back with the dress that's in the closet. And uh, so I did. This is in January, I think. Uh, and so she was like, okay, I got to get shoes and. She literally would like go to stores and couldn't find shoes for the dress. That's how much things change because now people didn't need 
high heels and stuff. They we wanted comfy shoes. We literally just had that conversation. Yeah, <laughs> yeah crazy. That whole isn't supply it? situation. It's it's cut off in every way, including yeah. fashion. So we, she, we don't have anything now. She even went to like uh, what's what's the one over there off of Healing? She goes to. Uh, D- DSW. DSW. She was like, yeah, there used to be like 14 rows of shoes and there was like one row and everything else was comfy shoes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Which brings us into, I start every one of these off with a joke. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I do so because when I started the show a year and a half ago, my father-in-law said, you got to do a joke. So I intentionally do bad jokes so that way when he listens, it annoys him. All right. <laughs> what are the only two seasons in Fort Worth? Rodeo and non-rodeos. <laughs> that would that would generally be close. <laughs> was was football and construction? <laughs> but rodeo and non-rodeo. I mean, that is you know. So for the audience out there listening that might not be here in Fort Worth, is rodeos big here in Fort Worth? Stock show syndicate, everything else, and so January is just always insanity, right? Yeah, so well, really into February, assuming you spend yeah. most of our time probably what sixty days either prepping. Doing rodeo or recovering from rodeo? Doing rodeo. <laughs> so when I started Cowtown Warriors, the mistake I made in 2014 was that I had my first event in January, mm-hmm. January 18th. I learned really quick. Nope, that's way too much competition for trying to have a yeah. successful event. And so that's why we moved it to the last Saturday in February, which is funny because the lesson I learned, because a lot of people don't know about Tarrant County that we live in here, is it has more nonprofits per capita than any other county in the United States. And there's literally an event every weekend for something. So that was another reason why I picked that date in February, because it was literally when I was looking through the roster of, you know, who all has what, that was the only open one where I was like, Hey, we're going to make a run. At, this is what the weekend it is. Plus I wanted to make it Marine proof and go, it's always on the last Saturday of February. And they're like, what date is that? And I'm like the last Saturday in February. I don't know whatever date that is. Right. <laughs> and then people are like, okay, last Saturday in February. Yeah, it's pretty smart. We actually do insurance for not-for-profits. So we are absolutely involved in and engaged in all of them, whether we support them because we enjoy them or because we do their insurance or whatever. So we are at a ton of events. It's kind of silly. We spend a lot of time having to, well, and we enjoy going and doing all those things, but it's it's a pretty busy schedule for sure. Yeah. So let's talk about that. So tell us about your business. Well, we're a boutique insurance agency. And what that means to us is that we're not a part of a larger 800-pound gorilla. So we think that that affords us some flexibility as far as our ability to give higher levels of service. Um, We have the same amount of market access as a larger agency would, um, but we're able to tailor, make specialized solutions for our clientele. And we think that's pretty special. We primarily do commercial lines insurance, business insurance. We do bonds, things of that nature. But we also do uh, personal lines insurance with a focus on the high net worth or private client group sector. Okay. All right. Wow. And then so... I remember when you, (laughs) cause I, I remember Beth, when I met you at the Fort Worth club, when you were working for the chamber, that's correct. Right. And when you left, is that what you left to go do? Was this, or was it? No. So I've, I've had a kind of a weird career path. Not that that's uncommon, but when I left the chamber, so I was working as their vice president of investor relations, right? So you're looking at a member group of around, um, 1800 and then you know an investor group of probably around 52 and so you're managing sponsorships investments and essentially you're selling 
the service of economic development to your, your businesses that, that are buying in. And there had been a consulting firm that had worked with the chamber for about 20 years, and their niche was working with solely chamber of commerces, standalone economic development organizations, or municipalities that were trying to privatize their economic development department. And they came to me and said, hey, we're growing. Do you want in? And the offer was you get to go to every major metroplex across the nation. You get to talk to you know, you're talking to 500 CEOs here in Fort Worth. You're going to talk to 500 CEOs in every major metropolitan area where we work. And I was like, well, why would I say no? And yeah. so went and did that, traveled, you know, every week for, like I said, a month and a half. And then we shut down. Because so, of COVID. Because of COVID, yeah. right? You know, and especially because of where we were in major metros, there were some really stringent policies in terms of, you can't come into the office. And if we're not in the office, we're not getting flown in by our clients to do the things that we need to do to help their organization get better or actually run fundraising campaigns for them. And so you know me a little bit and you know that I'm a talker, <laughs> but I'm also an in-person person and I need to be out and about. That's just, just, just who I am. And, uh, Jordan and I were actually, we met when I was at the chamber, um, well, and also the Fort Worth Club. And the Fort Worth Club. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, that was, what, four or five years ago? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And it took a while of convincing, but once Beth figured out that she wasn't going to get quite the expectation of the job that she originally took, I coerced her into wanting to <laughs> try an insurance lifestyle. So she doesn't specifically do insurance at our firm. However, she is clearly very, very good at business development. So I hired her in as VP of operations to help me take my business to what I hope is the next level. Okay. And so how long have you been in this gig here? So I've done insurance for 17 years <laughs> in totality. And then I did you been, start when you were two? Yes, exactly. <laughs> right out of kindergarten. And they allow um, licenses when you're that young in Oklahoma. You can test and get licenses too. <laughs> I've actually been doing insurance in Texas for about nine years now, and we moved specifically the home office to Fort Worth in late 2018. Okay. So not originally from Texas? No, and I don't want anybody listening to judge me for this. I'm an, I'm an Okie. I'm originally from Oklahoma. Okay. I got here as fast as I could. Like everybody else. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I don't blame everybody. I hear kind of the whisperings of all these people coming in. I was like, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so you grew up in Oklahoma? Well, so I, I have not lived in Oklahoma for nine years. Um, we do still do business there. We're actually national, so I can do business in pretty much any state, uh, not really Alaska and Hawaii, but everywhere else we're able to do some insurance business. So my wife hasn't called you about Alaska yet? Well, no, but okay. she should call we me about, about Colorado. Colorado. Yeah, yeah. So she's, yeah, as we were talking about, we're going to Alaska for a month this summer, and I'm deathly terrified she's going to feed me to a bear. And so, okay, so... Now, did you did you grow up in Oklahoma? I did. Okay. I did. I grew up there and went to high school there, uh, right in a little tiny town. I don't know if anybody's heard of it. It's called McLeod. It's it's a speck. It's a dot on the map. But I went to I got to go to college in California and then made my way back to Oklahoma. Did the whole get married, have a family situation, and then made my way to Texas because I really was very clear that I was going to have a lot of limitations in what we were able to do in the insurance business in Oklahoma. At the time, it was really only oil and gas and there wasn't a whole lot of opportunity outside of that. So it made a lot of sense for me to make my way to the Metroplex where I just saw the, all the opportunities available. 
That's fantastic. Now, Beth, are you originally from Fort Worth? No, I'm not. Where are you originally from? Well, so I was I was born in Bloomington, Indiana. Okay. My father did not want me to have a Hoosier social security number. So (laughs) (laughs) we immediately, I'm not even joking, he was house hunting in Jacksonville, Florida when I was born. We immediately moved back to Jacksonville, Florida. My my parents were Navy. And so that was one of the spots that they, you know, had been for a while. Moved back to Jacksonville. We moved to Mansfield, Texas when I was seven. Okay. And grew up. There, went to college for a moment in Missouri, came back to UTA, and uh, after graduating UTA, moved over to Fort Worth. Oh, wow. So I've been here. That's right. Now, now do you remember something about Mansfield? Mm-hmm. What, what, what year were you in high school down there? Uh, I graduated in 07 from Mansfield High School. Okay. My cousin went to Mansfield, but I think he, so he was was Bruce Anderson, name, ring? Mm, it probably did. Well, so... In terms of Mansfield and that growth, when I went to elementary school, there was two, okay. right? And that was kind of Rendon, South Arlington, yeah, and then Mansfield. Yeah, yeah. And there was one high school. Yeah. By the time I graduated, there were three. Yeah. There's now wow. six. Wow. So wow. they've experienced tremendous tremendous growth. That is so it's crazy. So I, I grew up down in Burleson. And and actually, right over there off of Rendon Road, mm-hmm. right down on the south part of it. And actually, had I lived on the other side of the street, I would have gone to Mansfield, Mansfield yeah, which was still a far away way. Mm-hmm. And then, so I ended up I ended up in Burleson. And so literally, it was like if I had lived on the other side of the street, that's where the dividing line was. And then now, even like you look at towns like Mansfield, Burleson, Azel, Alito, Weatherford, they are not the small towns that we grew up in, right? They, they are not. I no. mean, when I grew up in Mansfield, it still had fields and it doesn't anymore. Yeah. No, <laughs> no. It's so interesting to say that. It's uh, I was down in Burleson a couple months ago, whichever. And I thought, man, I'm going to go drive by the old house because I grew up out in the country. Yeah. Right? 1187 country. in Rendon Road. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I went down there and I was like, I can't on the right road. Like, there's all houses and stuff now. And yeah, so things had, things had really changed. You know, which goes into one of the topics I, you know, thought would be cool for us to discuss is the explosive growth going on here in the Metroplex, right? Now, twelfth largest city in the U.S., right. I believe, right? Where do you want to start? Yeah, <laughs> and, and still going. I mean, I'm I'm actually just excited about not just the business opportunity, but also like the social aspects of things. There's so many different things that are coming in. Like, for instance, we had Hamilton and fun stuff like that. There's so many cool things going on. So many restaurants opening up. I'm actually just excited for the social life of it as well as the business aspects. Yeah, I agree. I, I mean, I think. Texas for a while there under, you know, the Rick Perry governorship moment. I mean, he was fighting hard for economic development and had some of the best incentives out there. And, you know, we strayed away from that for a little bit. If you look at the recession era Mm -hmm. and the bounce back hasn't been as great. But, you know, we've been pretty good about landing deals. You know, while I don't work for the chamber anymore, I think they're doing an awesome job in terms of of their recruitment and, and working really well with the city. They just announced their retooling incentive packages, so that's oh, that's really exciting. That is that is exciting. Yeah, I think that was one of the things that I think stunted for, stunted is that the right word stunted the growth of Fort Worth was offering opportunities for other corporations to be able to move their businesses here. Right now they're over there doing it in Dallas and Irving and all those other places. Like, hey, why are why are why are we not bringing that in here? Mm-hmm. 
What I mean, since you were working for the chamber for a long time, what do you think the well, reasons for that were? So, so it's you know, there's multiple, right? Yeah. It's not just a a rifle approach; it's a shotgun approach, and you have to mm-hmm. have not only attraction but also retention and expansion, right? And and Fort Worth is pretty good at retention and expansion. There's smaller cities or cities that used to be classified as smaller cities that have different eligibilities to use their sales tax dollars for incentive dollars. Fort Worth does not have that ability. Dallas does not have that ability. Frisco sure does. So is that, so this is interesting because I don't know much about that, that topic mm-hmm. is why, why don't they have that ability? It, it was based on size. And so that, that was you know, stated at, at the Texas legislature late shirt. Well, I can't speak. Mm-hmm. Today. <laughs> hey, don't worry. I just like start making up words. So All right. yeah. Well, yeah. that might happen too, <laughs> but that was, that was decided at the state level where either you were a 4A or 4B city based on your size and how you were able to grow your city based on your size. Right. So okay. if you're thinking, Oh, I'm a small city. I've got not enough people. There's, I don't have, you know, whatever resources I have here to grow, but you know, people are spending money here. They're driving through my gas stations. I'm getting money from this type of sales tax. I wish I could use that sales tax to grow my city and offer these types of incentives. And government said, yep, you can. But the ones that were already at a certain capacity were not allotted that same ability. So how, how does that get countered or what is a counter thing to do? Creativity. Creativity. There you go, right? Creativity. (laughs) Right. So there's there's still certain incentive packages that can be offered and you look at, you know, what types of repayments can happen or deferrals in terms of of taxes that you receive from a business. Creativity in terms of marketing, in terms of, okay, well, yeah, you can get a huge chunk of money from over here, but all of your residents live in Fort Worth or all the people Mm -hmm. who are going to work in your business live here in Fort Worth. And here's what that looks like. And here's what our schools look like. And Here's what our culture is and why it would be so important that your business be here because of this great fit. And so you have to have a sales approach to getting businesses to come to your area. Yeah. So that's, that's, that's really interesting because when people hear Dallas Fort Worth, right, mm-hmm. they think it's one of the same. And I'm like, no, completely different. Mm-hmm. Right. Absolutely. Not just in atmosphere, but in attitude and Every, everything, right? As everybody thinks all the billionaires live over there. And I was like, man, you can actually be bellied up to the bar having a beer sitting next to some of the most wealthiest can't, people. Can't tell you how many times I've done that. Yeah. <laughs> you're, sitting there, you're, like, you're like, oh, wow. So you're, you know, it's kind of like my place in Colorado when I see the basses come in on their big private jet. And I'm like, I want one of those. And Laura's like, no. <laughs> she was like, you just want one to have one. And I was like, yeah. And she's like, no. <laughs> I was like, all right, well, I guess I'll keep driving 45 minutes to Durango to fly back, you know? So, so then, so you, you chose to move your business here mm-hmm. because you saw the opportunities I nine did. years ago. What were some of the things you saw nine years ago that really opened that up to go, hey, this is the logical decision to make? I just saw, well, a lot of the actual political investments and things. I saw a, more support coming in from that standpoint. I think Betsy was doing a great job doing stuff as the mayor. I felt like Jeff Williams was doing a lot in Arlington. And I just saw a lot of influx of push into those two spaces, which is where both of my locations are. And my thought process was, hey, we like Dallas has been seeing a lot of that love for a long time. But what was really nice, like you said, is it's a metroplex, but there is polarities. And mm-hmm. I love to see that there was going to be a lot more influx of of intention towards these areas and I knew that was coming so it definitely drew me there um, I also really just 
enjoy Fort Worth. I just love it. I love the overall attitude. I love how beautiful it is. I mean, that absolutely drew me in. So I can't say enough that I'm really happy that we made it here. Oh, yeah. So it was funny. As, uh, one of my guests uh, flew in yesterday to be on the show, flew up this morning. I think I was telling you all about. And so we went to the Fort Worth Club and uh, he was like, you know, he lives in D.C., owns a couple bars in D.C. And he's got a marketing firm. He's got all you know, he's a serial entrepreneur like myself. Right. And he he was like, this place is really cool. And I said, man, you want to hear something interesting? This is actually the networking mecca of Fort Worth. People can be members at all the different country clubs but they're also going to be a member here. Mm -hmm. And then it was really funny because he was like, oh man, this place must be really expensive. I said, dude, if I told you what my member dues are, you would just laugh. You know, the Fort Worth Club was the first organization that I joined. But mm -hmm. now to your point, I'm a member of the Petroleum Club. I'm a member of Miravista Country so. Club. Yeah. I mean, we have so many things that we are enjoying and, and using as um, networking opportunities. And I've just made a bunch of friends. It's funny how... I really feel specifically to Fort Worth, you you do business with your buddies. I oh, really feel that way. Mm -hmm. One million percent. You know, that whole your network is your net worth, right? Amen. And everybody knows everybody. I mean, it's like it, literally everybody's Kevin Bacon here, right? Like 90 degrees of separation, <laughs> right? Like, very you know, it, 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 so is, even if you don't know somebody, you can go, but we have somebody else in common. Right. Fair enough. And I think that I've been truly lucky as not being from here to be um, embraced. And that's another thing that I love about this city is that you really can become embraced and, and completely interwoven into the fabric of Fort Worth society. And I feel very appreciative about that. My professional relationships have led to personal relationships, have yep. turned back around into professional relationships and on and on the web goes. So I really do appreciate that fact. You don't have that in Oklahoma. Everything's too far away. Right. Yeah. <laughs> You, you really well, even, but even to counter that is you don't have that same thing in New York where it's very huge and everybody's on top of each other, right? Absolutely. Right. Yeah. You don't have the same camaraderie. I think that uh, another thing is people have wanted us to be successful. So For sure. they get to know us, they get to know our personality a little bit and what, what our goals are and what we're trying to accomplish. And it's funny how someone will say, you know what, you need to meet another friend of mine. I think they can actually mm -hmm. be there to help you. You know what, mm -hmm. let me actually connect you with someone else that I think would be in support of your causes. And before you know it, you really have amassed a network so quickly. Oh man. So I've hired a couple people on my, you know, I've got a bunch of different business, but on my span group stuff, mm -hmm. right? So I hired James Peterson about a year ago, specifically to do business development. And he was coming from the insurance world, right? And it was really funny because uh, when Michael Moore at Lockton hired him like three years ago, he was like, hey, I got this guy, James Peterson. I'm thinking about hiring him. And I was like, well, you better before I do, right? And then it was funny is after he graduated the same MBA program I did at TCU, the executive MBA I was like, hey, man, I said, why don't you fly up here to Colorado and see me? I buy a plane ticket. He's like, yeah. And then Michael Moore called me and he was like, uh-uh. Uh-uh. <laughs> you know, because James is like, yeah, Span's flying me up for a couple days. He goes, man, that's a recruiting trip. Yeah. He goes, I know Span. And Span had told me two years ago. Yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take him. But it was kind of funny. So, you know, that coming from that commercial insurance space, you know, a lot of whining and dining and stuff like that. Sure. And I said, look, man, you're going to want to burn the rubber off your tires, you know, driving around. But I said... Fort Worth, you can actually just pick up the phone and start smiling and dialing and you can grow the business from there, right? Because that's what I hire specifically do is to mm -hmm. come do the actual go recruit the, the the buyers and sellers through just the relationships we've established, right? Yeah. And then, which is really cool, is we got it set up in the team where 
if it's a listing, Michelle does all the work. When it's a buyer, Rianne does all the work. Lynn does all the transaction coordination. It essentially leaves me to do nothing, which is totally cool. I'm totally fine with that. Leaves uh, you to do podcasts, right? Right, right, right. right. <laughs> Get on here and <laughs> have great conversations, right? Yes. And then Laura does all the compliance nature. You know, it's just being a lawyer, she's a high detail person and like cares about dotting the I's, crossing the T's. I wouldn't know a detail if it landed in my lap. But it's been really cool is because the last thing Rianne and Michelle want to do is go hunt business. And then after torturing James to make him do contracts for a while to learn how to do it, the last thing he wants to do is contracts, right? So everybody gets to serve in their roles and capacities. But one of the, the great things, too, was it was like, look, we've already got a great brand. We've been number one in Sotheby's for the last four years. And this last year, we were actually in 2021, we were actually out of, I think it's like 4,000 registered agents in the greater Fort Worth area of realtors. We were like number six, right? right. And, and so people are like, oh, how do you do that? And I'm like, relationships. Relationships. You, you can absolutely be in this town. You can come from nowhere and nobody and become somebody here just by getting out there and networking and get to know folks. And like you said, you really uh, hit on that. That uh, I, I've always known this, but never really materialized in my head is people will care about your success and growth, absolutely. right? Absolutely. Which is cool. And it's authentic. Well, right. and that's that's what I think is interesting about Fort Worth is that you do have this this feel of authenticity. And now I'm not saying it's 100 percent of the time, every time. Right. But no. you find it more often than not where, yeah, as long as you're, you know, walking downtown or having a drink in Clear Fork or whatever it may be, going to a charity event, you're going to find somebody who's genuinely interested and then they'll go. Oh, well, do you know so-and-so? Mm-hmm. Well, I think that perpetuates itself, too. That made me want to go back into my business, speaking kind of what you were saying is, hey, I want to make sure I'm creating platforms for individuals within my business, too, and showing them how I did made the same successes. Like, let me show you how to network yourself. Let me and do the same introductions. Let me give you a space to really grow. And so when I hire in people, like you were talking about, mm-hmm. that's my first part of the conversation is, this isn't hard. I can teach you insurance. Insurance is, it's a snooze fest, but it's not hard. We can do it. (laughs) What what I want to show you how to do though is, is create the relationships and find your resources. And and there's just a wealth of those resources here. And I want to make sure that like in my business, I too am, am paying that forward. And I think that's what makes Fort Worth special is, you know, it, it starts that snowball effect. You start a little bit here and then everyone starts perpetuating that. And it's funny how now all, it seems like we're all just a big family. Yeah. And it's like, it's kind of funny. It's like, we didn't even do that much advertising. And the only place I was really advertising is I was doing the Centerfold Fort Worth Club magazine. It hadn't been actually printed in a it long hasn't time. It been printed in a long Right. Long. And it was funny. And the only reason I did that was to annoy Gordon Rhodes. I was like, your name might be on the building, but I'm doing this that way. Every time you open it up, you see oh, me. It, and I love Gordon. He's actually, he's coming in tomorrow to report. And then it was funny. He was like, so you literally spend money so that way I get to see you. And I was like, yeah. And he goes, nobody else. And I was like, nope, just you. You know, and I was like, if you're going to take my money at poker, I'm at least going to make you look at me every time you open Fort Worth Club magazine. Uh, you know, yeah. and it was funny because my wife was like, we're going to spend money on this just for that. And I was like, yeah. And she goes, because we don't advertise anywhere else. And I was like, I know, but it annoys them. Well, and I would say that, you know, we don't do, you know, we do our social media marketing, yeah. sure. we have a website, 
But I would say that a good chunk of our marketing dollars go to charities. Oh, 100%. And I think that those relationships is what grown my, has grown my business outside of Texas. So kind of like what you were saying is these things have carried these relationships out to the far stretches. I mean, a lot of our California business is very much because we have the relationships that we have here. Um, and, and I think that and being involved in those in those charitable situations, it just perpetuates more of that because it's people of like mind want to do that. That business with people who also feel the, Care the about those same to. causes. Yes, yeah. absolutely. So, touching on California, mm-hmm. right? We got a lot of people coming from California. Are you seeing any of your relationships out there that are moving here just because the environments have changed? <laughs> In fact, there was someone. Uh, oh man, it was a couple of weeks ago. Oh, maybe it was a couple of months ago. And I sit there talking to him, and he goes, "You know, I am a diehard liberal, and even I hate the governor." <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> In California. And it, it, it was like, uh, yeah, that's the reason we're moving here is because Texas is a business-friendly state. And I can sell my house that's a 1,000 square feet for a million dollars there and buy a 3,000 square feet house for $500,000 here. Right? No, and we're even seeing that kind of change the the dynamics here, right? So mm-hmm. I, I insure property. That's a huge part of what my universe is. And to see those increases in property values and, well, to oh, use man. insurance terms, replacement costs, mm-hmm. um, explaining those increases to people who haven't moved in and who don't understand what all that influx is about has, been, has presented some challenges. It is difficult to have people understand that you know what their what their policies were renewing at for their values of their homes last year taking such vast and steep increases to this year it's it's a it's a big thing to try to get everybody's head around yeah so yes we have seen a lot of influx yeah. of people coming in well, and it's it, it's it's tough on the end consumer because you know i didn't have a claim i didn't do anything wrong why am i being punished well it's not it's not us. It's definitely not the carrier. It's yeah. literally the value of the products that it would take to rebuild or oh, to get yeah. you somewhere else. Yeah. So it was kind of funny is that when we bought our place in Colorado, we closed on it the week of the pandemic, right? Which was a blessing and a curse, it seemed at the time. Because it was like, well, if we're going to be hunkered down, we're doing it up there, yeah. right? But the other part that I was terrified of, because... Know a thing or two about real estate, and I was sitting there going, "Man, the secondary market's just going to get smashed, like it always does, right?" It's usually the first one to fall. Mm-hmm. And instead, because COVID changed the world and the perception of how to do things, right? Uh, I had a client up in February, and uh, flown him up there because he's like, "Yeah, I'm thinking about buying a ranch." I was like, "Hey, fly up here, man. Let me show you some ranches, right?" And so I had the agent that I used up there to go take us around, and I was like, "Hey, what do you think my house?" you know, would do right now. And he's like, I could list your house for twice what you bought it for. I believe uh, and that. he goes, we'd have multiple offers. And I was like, that's cool because you pulled some shit on me that I pull on people all the time. Cause I bought, I spent twice as much buying that house than what I wanted to spend in the first place. Yeah, so yeah. of course, as soon as he says this, I'm looking at Laura like, Hey, you're actually the NBA in my head. I'm thinking through the financial numbers. She's like, no, because what the hell are we going to go buy? Well, that's the other thing. Good that's luck just, buying something. I just went through that myself. It, oh, was, it was very difficult. It, 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 it's, a, it's, a, it's a challenge. It's, it right? is a challenge. Well, I think everybody kind of did what I did. I sold when I thought I was kind of at the top of that bubble and thought, oh, look, I'm so smart. I've made some money on this moment yeah. to flip around. And like you said, I, well, then I kind of lost it because now what I'm paying to get into the new home was legitimate. Right. And the property taxes, right? Because oh. those things are soaring. Mm-hmm. Like I remember when we were, uh, when we were living over at Fox Hollow down in Overton and that was, well, there were many reasons like needed to sell that house. But one of them was I was tired of paying 25 grand a year on property taxes, right? Which is really funny 
because when we bought the equivalent of that in Colorado, and I was like, oh, what are the property taxes? And he goes, 2000 I was like, yeah, okay, a month. That sounds about right. And he goes, no, 2000 is what your property tax is. I was like, what? Wow. Like, holy <laughs> cow, like that in, right? Because, you know, he's already – and it was one of those things, right? We, we were looking, and all of a sudden he's like, well, I got one to go look at. And I was like, well, that's not on the list, which means it's for sale for more than what I want to spend. And he's like, let's go take a look. And then we get there, and – just incredible views. It stares right at Pagosa Peak. Just listen. I've seen the Facebook photos. Oh man, it <laughs> does not suck. And my wife and I, you know, are usually very unemotional about four walls and a roof. And I turned around, there's stars in her eyes, and I was like, oh, I was like, how much is this going to cost? And he goes, a lot more than what your budget is. And I was like, he goes, so you're going to have to up your budget. And I was like, ah. Oh. Fine. You know, but point being is that's happening everywhere, mm, right? Absolutely. Because the population keeps increasing, but we're not able to build more houses. By the way, that was going on prior to the pandemic. Well, and I read a news story just last week that there was uh, this huge development going up and they decided, nope, we're just going to do one story houses. We can't get enough wood. The Horton. I know yep. the article you're talking about. Yep. 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 Didn't have enough wood to do two-story houses. They don't have enough lumber to build two-story houses. So that's another thing that's driving yeah. premiums is that we're having – it's it's actually the weight. So it's the the time that it's taking a claim to actually go all the way through processing. And if a family is displaced from their home based on a claim, the insurance carrier is paying for you to live somewhere else. So if that's for an extremely long period of time, then that just drives those claims up, which all of this is what's driving these premiums to be so vastly increased. So it's funny. You say that. Uh, so, in my fund that I started a year ago, um, some of the houses we knew were going to be vacant for years. We focus on off campus student housing, right? Mm-hmm. Single family homes. And I was like, well, this thing's going to be vacant for the next six months. And actually, we were able to fill quite a few of them because people needed a place to live while they were going through their claim. Like, we have several people staying in them now. Well, and we were like, well, you're going to be out by June 1st because that's when the kids move in. But like, there for like three, four months. Right. Absolutely. And it, it was just, and they were like, literally, there's nowhere to go. Like, even to find a rental. So, you and I live in the same area. Yeah. Are, are you still down there? Yeah. Okay. Liquid. So, yeah. Old, yeah. So, so <laughs> it was really interesting is you used to be able to rent a house there for $1,000 a month. That's correct. Good luck. You're not going to find mm-hmm. it. As a matter of fact, whenever I pulled up rentals, used, used to, used to be able to find like, like 50 houses that were for rent. Yep. And so, we had somebody that was trying to move from North Fort Worth down. And they were like, hey, I want to rent something. I was like, hey, let me look here on Wedgwood. There was like three mm-hmm. for rent. And well, then, yeah. And just turn the clock back a few years and your average price of a home in Wedgwood was anywhere from, you know, 150 to 200 Yeah. That's not the case anymore. We popped above Five. 400 Yeah. 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 So it's, it's wild. So I'm renovating yeah. my home and not moving. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just so interesting you say that though, right? Is that's where a lot of people are left up to. Like I've, I'm like the worst salesman in the world, right? Like people call me, think about selling my house. And I was like, well, what are you looking to do? And they're like, well, I'm looking at X, Y, Z. And I'm like, man, you're going to have to go spend $200,000 more to find that. Why don't you just spend a hundred grand, renovate the place you're at and that's you're going to, you're going to recollect the value. That's exactly right. what, what it came down to for me because there is, you know, a few areas that I loved and that I wanted to go to, but my requirements are one, I already have a yard. Mm-hmm. And I have dogs, so that can't go away. Yeah, I have a two-car garage. I like to park my car in that garage, so that can't go away. And the square footage of my home, I could take about 500 square feet less. 
Yeah. What can we do? Nothing without more than tripling to quadrupling the mortgage for a smaller home. Yeah. That still would need updating. So funny you say that is Laura and I, because we do spend a lot more time in Colorado and we do travel a lot. You're like, because our house is like 2,500 square feet and we're empty nesters now, right? As a matter of fact, when Maggie came in weekend before last for my birthday, I was like, hey, whatever you want to go back to Colorado, you better take it because we're, we're, we're just tired of seeing all your stuff here. Uh, you know, you're <laughs> 21, you can live your own life now. And, uh, but it was funny as we were starting about six months ago, we were like, you know what? Let's downsize, let's find a smaller home. And the conversation this weekend was like, I think we're going to be in the hunt for another year before we find a smaller, a smaller home, home because there's nothing for sale. And we're, we're, well, there's a lot of yeah. people who had your thought process and then they focused on their secondaries, right? It's like, yeah. well, let's go get something lovely and sprawling somewhere else. Yeah. And we'll, and we'll let, we'll tighten up the purse strings here, get everything a little smaller, a little more economical and reasonable. Yeah. Well, everybody had that idea all kind of at the uh, same exact time. Yeah. And then the only reason, uh, uh, we haven't gone to like a condo type situation is I just, I have a moral dilemma. I'm paying ridiculous HOA fees. Mm-hmm. You know, on mm-hmm. something that you're not really going to get your value back on because between the property tax and HOA fees, you're like, man, even if this keeps going up in value, I'm at best ever going to be a watch. But we were sitting here and then even then, like I would literally fly in and go look at a house. And then by the time I'd call Laura, there's like 15 offers on it. And I'm like, okay. Yeah. So I told her, I said, I, I said, I bet you were here at least another year. And I said, so if we're going to be here another year, not because, I mean, we're very fortunate to have the means to go buy whatever we want. So I said, if we know, it, let's just go ahead and make a decision that it's going to take us at least a year. And there was some other projects we wanted to do on it, the other house, but it was literally going to take like 90 days of workers being in and out. And I was like, let's just go ahead and schedule that to get done mm-hmm. because it's going to take us at least a year to find something here. And we're seeing that on the competitive offers too. Like, hey, I'll pay 10, 20% above list price. We've seen it where they offer to pay their own agents commissions, offering like 60, 90 day lease backs just so that way they can get the house. And you have to be competitive in order to do that. And this is this is where I really struggle with. Right. It's just um, is, you know, being a vet, I always feel like a VA offer should win. But if you're trying to use a VA, no way you're you're, you're not even they're They're not even going to look at it. Right. And so I'm like, ah, then you look at the FHAs, right? And like people that want to be able to buy their first home, they finally making enough money, they can buy their first home. Good luck on that. That's not going to happen unless you're conventional or cash and you have the means to pay ridiculous amounts. So what does that do for the housing here in the area? Right. Absolutely. I mean, you're paying above the conventional loans anyway. I mean, they're coming up to where they can go, but you, the offers you're having to put in are far in excess of that. So there are people having yeah. to be able to pony up that cash on top of their conventional. You're absolutely right. It's been tough. Yeah. And it's, and, and, and you know, and that's the thing too, is because we still need to have a blue collar working population. And you need that for growth in the city. 100%. So how do we solve that? It's a great question. I also think creativity is going to be the answer to that. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And so we see the same thing in Pagosa Springs, right? Is the living population is like 2,500 people, right? But they get like 300,000 tourists that come through. So it means you have to have a working population. But because 
the housing market has raised so much. And look, you're in Pagosa, right? So it's not like, hey, I'll just go to the next Like the next town's like 45 minutes away, right? right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, and so it's like, what do, you, what do they do, right? And I mean, this is no kidding is, so we got some friends that uh, work, work in a restaurant and I kid you not, they make $20 an hour plus tips, and I remember when I used to work in restaurants, it wasn't nearly that good. No, 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 no. Because <laughs> back here, it was two dollars and thirteen cents yeah, when exactly I was there. Yeah, it. and I think exactly it's still the same, it right? It is you're making that plus tips, but up there they had to do that because they couldn't find any reliable labor. Like I you can't believe that. Yeah. I mean, even speaking to that point, even right here, even in my business, we have had to really be thoughtful and and creative about our our packages for hiring on new staff. By the way, we're looking like everybody else on the um, Fully clear, everybody says that. But at the end of the day, um, you do. And I was discussing with Beth what you make working anywhere. I mean, you can get quite a legitimate wage yeah. at Bucky's. I mean, they're yeah. hiring up with uh, some legitimate income there. And I was mm-hmm. thinking, man, maybe I need to consider <laughs> thought processes, you yeah. know. But, but you work yeah. for Amazon and Starbucks and you get tuition reimbursement too. Absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, really? it's, yeah. it's taking so much to incentivize wow. folks to want to come and take on these jobs. I mean, it, it is going to take some substantial creativity. It's The, the regular salary is not doing it anymore. There's got to be some yeah. additional fun things involved or we're, we're going to struggle getting people to want to move. And that's, and that is a big challenge that we're facing right now is even like what we were seeing prior to the pandemic was a massive labor shortage in the construction arena. Right. Absolutely. And so then combine that with supply chain issues, which I mean, somebody can wave magic wand that can be done in a day. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, no not really. <laughs> uh, and so now you combine those two things. Right. Is even, and this is what I try to tell folks, like, even if we could wave a magic wand, fix the supply chains today, we're still in the same situation because it doesn't matter if you can now buy nails if you've got nobody swinging a hammer. Absolutely. Right. And then, like, even now, so, uh, so on my fund, one of the, uh, properties I bought, scraped the house, building a new house. Two years ago, it would have cost me 200000 to build it. Now it's going to cost me 300 Two years ago, I could have built it in three months. Now it's taken me six months. Right. And, and I love my GC. He's like, he's, he's just like, dude, we're doing everything we can. It is just, and it's a struggle and it's everywhere. Mm -hmm. Right. And things are going to go up more. I mean, because, Hey, you know, if the government can't make more money, they'll just print more of it. So now you're looking at inflation things, which again, it goes back is that affects a certain economic demographic. I mean, Mm. I mean, do we feel it? Yeah, yeah, but sure. we're also very fortunate to do very well. But a lot of people that live in this country are not in that economic demographic where it affects it. Matter of fact, this is a funny thing. Uh, my daughter took a job working at Walmart. And I was like, good for you. And I was like, cool, because you're going to need to do something. If you don't go to class, I'm not going to pay for school. Right? Right. I was like, go to class, I'll pay for school. The same thing. Well, except for the paying for school part. <laughs> <laughs> they never did that. That was go oh, get a no. job no matter what. Oh, it, for school. <laughs> I, I, I get it from her every time. She was like, I want to go back to the original deal. Like, I'll go to class, right? And I was like, eh, ship and sell. So she got a job at Walmart, and I was sitting there. This is how interesting it was. Is She started at Walmart part-time making more an hour than I did when I started with Fort Worth PD back in 1997, 1997, when I started with Fort Worth PD. I was like, you're making more an hour than I did then when I started with the PD, right? And then so, you know, that that causes another string of problems, right? Where used to, you could make 50 grand. That was a good lifestyle, right? Yep. 
if you're not making a hundo now, household income, at least minimum, you're struggling to pay the bills. That's true. And, that's and so that's, well, gas. Oh. Good luck. Good luck buying that. Oh. <laughs> I, think, I think there's been certain industries that have been adaptable enough to respond. Yeah. Others that haven't. I mean, well, anything that sells in commission, you know, you can kind of work through those things, you mm-hmm. know, and you, again, to speaking to finding creative ways to get through that. Mm-hmm. But if, if you're swinging a hammer, for instance, and you got that regular wage, and then let's say people that had stayed in the positions and worked there for a while, once you've increased the guys coming in, now you have to increase everyone that was above that guy. Yeah. Right. So everybody's stuff is exponentially increasing and you're like, okay, wait a minute. How am I going to wrap my mind around this? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so what are the challenges that y'all are seeing and experiencing in the insurance space? Well, you name it. Like I said, we're talking about the displacement of families. That's making things take forever. And even on the carrier side, there just are not enough employees and mm-hmm. enough They're people. facing the same talent issues that the rest of us are facing. Absolutely. So the time that things take, just like everywhere else in the world, is taking so much longer. And I don't think people have really put together that even in those spaces, the turnaround time for things is 75% easily longer than it used to be. Not, Yeah, yeah it's more than half. And so I have people with an expectation saying, Hey, you know, I need, I have a project coming up that we need to build or we need to do a build and I need to make sure that I have everything in order, you know, and they give me, I don't know, a month or two to do it. It's not long enough anymore. Yeah. I need minimum, minimum 90 days to do anything, even small stuff. And I think it's kind of lost on the consumer of the insurance product that that's where we're at now. And we don't just, you know, type in what you're doing into Google and it shoots back a price. That's, that's not how it works. Yeah. We actually have, have an underwriter shortage. Yeah. I mean, it's quite honestly, we do not have enough people that are able to assess the risks and, and, and perform everything on the carrier side. So the retail agent myself is sitting there going, listen, I really do know this is a timeliness issue. And if I could change the world, I would do that for you, mm-hmm. but I can't go it. Um, so they're even experiencing those issues. And then speaking towards, I talked about premium increases based on all those things. That's a big challenge and understanding yeah. why those things are so high. Um, the influx of people coming in is also affecting that. If you think about it, there's more bodies on the road. And that's more opportunity for accident. That's more people who are not Texas insured that don't necessarily have their policies in order or maybe they're underinsured. So there's a lot of litigious situations that are Mm -hmm. taking place as well. And then there's more homes, which means more places for hail to hit that actually cost people money. Right. Right. But even speaking back to those litigious situations, so let's say there's something like that that takes place. Well, again, when we couldn't get into the court, it's taking a lot longer to turn those claims over. Yeah. We, we have a backlog of people still trying to get their trials and their court stuff taken care of from the last couple of years. So people with new claims are having to wait even longer mm-hmm. to get those claims processed. So it's, it's the putting off and putting off and putting off is making all of this really, really difficult for the carriers and, you know, inadvertently for us. Well, and I think you, you hit, hit on it earlier, which is, you know, just the talent shortages. Right. Like anybody right now says, I can't get a job. I'm like, you just because you're not looking. (laughs) Right. You can give me my phone number. Right. (laughs) I mean, there there are companies out there that are like, wow, so we don't need a resume. Do you have a pulse? Will you show up? Absolutely. Please don't wear pajamas. Right. I mean, can can you type? Can you do it quickly? Yeah. Can you answer a phone? Yeah. And will you show up? Oh, it's. So, you know, so when I was, when I built the strategy out for Span Group five and a half years ago, what I wanted to build, I knew that, it, that my biggest challenge was going to be I've got to hire the right people, which means I got to take a lot more time to find 
the right people or wait for one to finish an MBA. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You done with that thing yet? Fine, I'm here. I got a job for you. And and actually, the most recent person we added to the team, Rianne, was she was actually a client of Loris back years ago. Ran into her, right? So she was at medical sales, right? She was doing medical sales. Uh, and then that had stopped whenever the pandemic hit, because guess what? You're not going to doctor's offices to be able to showcase stuff like, hey, you can you yeah, know, do this. Absolutely. And so she ran into her at the container store, and she was just like, yeah, you know, I'm just – And but instantly we were like, oh, here's someone with sales experience. Because we intentionally do not hire anybody who has been previously licensed, right? Because I don't want to – because we do things a lot different than everybody else. And I'm like, I don't want to unprogram you to reprogram you. I would just rather program you from you not knowing anything to get you where you're at. Right. But it took us. So we hired Michelle four years ago. We hired Lynn, 20, math for Marines here. So two and a half years ago, James a year ago, and then Rianne 90 days ago. Or no, it's been four months actually. So it took that long just to be able to do that. So I got a call yesterday morning from a friend of mine who works at Sotheby's in San Diego going, man, I am trying to replicate what you have built. And he goes, how do I do that? And I said, find the right people. He goes, I cannot find the right people. And I said, you're looking in the wrong place, but find people that haven't been in the industry. And he's like, yeah, but the time it takes to get them up to speed. I said, man, it is worth, it is worth it. the time to get them up to speed. Did you tell them to go to the container store? That's right. <laughs> yeah, go to the container store, man. I mean, man, you're like, hey. And, you know, so it's, it, it is that interesting because like last week, Goldman Sachs, right? They were like, hey, everybody's coming back to the office Monday through Friday. And their entire pool of employees said no. No. So what do you do as an employer? Yeah, but I mean, like when you're an employer, so uh, Chris Powers, you know Chris? Uh Right. So I had him on a show about a year ago, and he and I are always going back and forth on this topic. He's like, I think people want to come back. And I said, I think a portion do. Fair. But what do you do when a large portion says no? Right. Well, and interestingly enough, they also want to be compensated in the same way as the people who do. Mm-hmm. So what you're saying is you're not going to use your gas. You don't have to have nice dress clothes on. Yeah. And you're not making the effort of time it takes to get up here and participate with the rest of the staff. Yeah. Yet you feel your compensation level should be the same. I find that aspect of it a little challenging also. We absolutely have a work from home option. But again, they're saying, well, okay, if we work from home, we want to be able to enjoy the same um, income space as everyone else. And my thoughts are, well. I don't know that that's really fair to the people who are going to take the extra effort to be here. Yeah. So that's so, something to think about too. So it's it's really, really interesting. As a, a chief that I worked for when I was at Fort Worth PD, best boss I ever had, Ken Dean, said, um, if, in being a leader, you got to learn that you treat everybody fairly but not equally. And I, and, and, and I was like, okay, I mean, it makes a little sense. That applies more now than ever because you're like, well, what do we do? And then so um, when we finished our TCU board meeting, they had a uh, symposium with a futurist on there. And, I, and I'm all into that, right? Like I like predictability. How can you hit the nail on the head? Like big George Friedman fan. And that's what she was discussing is like, hey, with inflation and everything else, we're on the down cycle going down. Now it can change, but we got to, we got to start thinking different, mm-hmm. right? Because, like, for example, I was talking, I think I was talking about this on the show yesterday. This, this little iPhone is a computer in your pocket that changed the world. And I saw that when my daughter was 
Oh, God, what, what year did I finally let her get a cell phone? I think she was a sophomore at Nolan. But I wasn't going to do it because I was like, no, I'm not going to be one of those parents or the kid has a phone all the time. But then finally, it was like I had to because she was not able to do the things in the classroom that everybody else was doing. Mm-hmm. So it was like I had to submit. I either had to submit so that way my kid would have a competitive advantage or go, no, this is what I believe should be done. And then she loses a competitive advantage. And so there are all those challenges that we're seeing every single day right now, right? And I mean, I imagine in y'all space, just to plus, it was funny when, when y'all were talking about relationships, right? And this is one of the, one of the things that I, I've always struggled with this in Fort Worth, which is when somebody comes up and says, hey, I want you to use me. And I'm like, ah, you got somebody else, you know? And it's like, unless they really shit the bed. <laughs> I gotta stick with them, right? Right. And so there's always that challenge, right? Sure, sure. And yeah. and I think that's you know the lovely thing about insurance is that legally everyone needs it, right? Yeah. Well, and there's room enough for all. I mean, there's yeah. plenty of work here for all of us to coexist. And quite honestly, there's some of us that we are a little more niche to certain things mm-hmm. than others. So it's also fair to say, hey, I'm giving this agent a bulk of my business based on what they're really, really good at or their market access is yeah. versus, hey, I know that these guys are a little more um, experienced and have more market access to other risks. So we're going to go ahead and utilize both. Yeah. And I think it is okay in the thought processes of mine to say we can utilize more than one relationship. I don't want one real estate relationship. Right. I don't. Right. I know that this guy may do commercial warehouses better. This guy may do, you know, residential track homes better. Yeah. This may be this. And so I think it's wise in this universe to utilize more than one resource always. Oh, 100%. So that's why going into this year, we stopped doing any sort of commercial. Well, one is things were changing so fast and so often that trying to keep up with both was dividing our attention. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so we finally had said, no, we'll just refer that out, right? Like even geography-wise, right? So used to, you know, go as far as Grand Prairie to the other side of Weatherford from Denton all the way down to south of Burleson. We were like, man, we were spreading ourselves way too thin because of how complex and fast the market was moving to where now we've got agents in other places that we go, hey, no, you're going to go look in this area. This is who you call for that area, Mm -hmm. right? Because one, that area has changed so much that I don't know that I can give you accurate advice. I mean, I can look at the numbers. I can analyze the numbers all day long, but I might not know what's going on in the neighborhood. A prime example would be 20 years ago. Would you have moved into Fairmont? No. Now you can't even afford to get a place in Fairmont, right? I mean, it's just those are the realities of, you know, the things we're seeing. Right? Well, and, and, you know, going through, oh, you want to go ahead? Well, I was going to say, so speaking to that, my headspace also towards, you know, having different relationships is that you may need somebody that can do a little more hand-holding. You may need someone that has a little more time and then can give a little broader attention to maybe you're a new business owner and you're trying to get your ducks in a row. Maybe you need resources outside the insurance universe that we can help you get to. And so I think for those purposes, a lot of times you may need to be strategic about your relationship and say, hey, who my typical guy is just doesn't really have the time capacity for all the individual attention I'm going to need on these projects. So if you're looking for that, that also might change some of your scope. 
important. I'm mm-hmm. sorry, what were you going to say? Well, I was going to say, I mean, so you went through the EMBA program at TCU, and I worked for TCU for a few years, and the amount of business books that they have you read is quite overwhelming, <laughs> right? And I can't even read, so it really sucks. So, so you're just audibling all of these books, yeah. but you, there's so many that say, figure out, like, how do you how do you create an amazing business? Is figure out what your unique angle is mm-hmm. and dive in, right? And so oh, yeah. when we when you go to our website or you ask us what it is that we do and you heard Jordan said, we're boutique, we offer our clients service and we're their advisors. So it's advice, service, insurance. And that's, that's those three words you're going to see on everything that we print. And that's what Jordan does well at. Now, you can't go to Geico and in 15 minutes save 15% and it's only going to take you that amount of time, right? If that's what you're going to try and do, awesome. Mm-hmm. Do it. But Especially if, you, if have, you know what you're doing. If you're mm-hmm. a very informed consumer and you have a high level of knowledge about insurance, then yeah, you don't need an advisor. Mm-hmm. But if you don't, you need to know your agent well so that they can give you that that correct it's not just advice, it's resources. Mm-hmm. So they may know something about your business or a way to uh, mitigate your risk that you just don't know, even though you've been doing this for however long. So I do think when it comes down to that aspect of it, it does matter if you if you need more individualized attention where you go. Man, that's so you're, you're y'all are hitting right on it is where we even evolved in what we were doing and how we were doing it, right? So we're not a one size fits all. And we don't even try to pretend to be is even the vetting process after we get a, a new potential client, right? Mm-hmm. So our process, the first thing we do, well, now James does it more than me. I don't have to do anything. Uh, is he, he'll sit there on the call and go, okay, first off, you know, understand that this is our process, right? We're, we're going to, we're going to provide, you're going to decide. We're going to control the process. You're going to make the decisions, but we're not here to change what we're doing. If that's what you are. So are you someone that's going to want to do us to do something different? If the answer is yes, we're not a fit. Or if somebody needs more hand-holding than the average person, we're not a fit. What we are a fit for is is if you're looking to have a team that you're going to be most protected by, because we know the business better than everybody else, and is going to be able to financially analyze things. I mean, we got law degrees and MBAs on our team, right? You don't see that with a real estate team, right? Absolutely. I mean, normally it was like you used to work at Rick's or something and got a license and now you can sell, <laughs> now you can sell real estate or something. That was bad. That was bad. <laughs> hey, we might have to cut that one out. Go ahead and time mark that one. Uh, but, one of, um, but one of the things is, you know, no longer just showing up and going, hey, let me show you pretty houses works anymore. Right. Well, and bringing the whole conversation full circle, speaking back to a lot of these businesses have new staff. So if you need mm-hmm. someone who's able to train your staff that you probably don't have the time nor the ability to do about, hey, let me give you a little idea of how this all works. Yeah. Let me explain insurance to you and why we're doing the things that we're doing, how to get in front of some problems and strategize alongside mm-hmm. with me. That's something else that I think is really important now, considering all the things that we're dealing with and all this change is, hey, we need to be able to explain to the staffers in your group why we do what we do, how we do what we do, and then how to better serve them and how they can better serve themselves. And a lot of times this business owner just doesn't have that ability anymore. Yeah. Doesn't have the time. So, you know, you might need somebody who can actually really integrate themselves in with the staff so that we can make sure that they know how to best take care of the company. Yeah. And and that's the thing is, is you, you're really right on this when you go, 
define what you're good at, and that's your competitive advantage, right? And you, and you get in there, and, and then being able to articulate that, because we have definitely, these devices have reduced our attention span for anything, right? Yeah, if you can't Google yeah. it quickly, the yeah. first three you, answers. You, yeah, I mean, literally, <laughs> yeah. now it's like, if you can't describe what you're doing in 30 seconds or less, people have stopped listening. And so it is just... You, you, and you, it's like Gary Vee says, right? If you're not trying to put yourself out of business, somebody else is. So you've got to always be evolving, going, okay, what are we doing? Whether it's you're trying to get talent, you're trying to stay competitive, you're trying to be better than the other competition. Like one of the things that we decided as a team, and we've always had this methodology, but, you know, we were like, okay, the competitive environment's coming more and more, and a lot of people are cutting their commissions. I said, we're not going to do that. We know what our value is. We're just going to focus on people that can understand the value we deliver and solely focus on them, mm-hmm. which means we're going to have, you, you can't be afraid to turn away business, right? That's a, that was the hardest thing for me to learn how to do was to say no to business because it wasn't the right business. Like last year, we turned down over $4 million worth of production over the course of a year. Mm-hmm. People were like, oh my God, like I, I didn't even do 4 million. I was like, they were like, how did you do that? How did you survive? And I was like, well, we still did 44 million. Yeah. Like, we're, I did that with the consulting group during COVID. So during yeah. COVID, turning down clients that were going to actually pay my paycheck because we knew it wasn't going to be the right fit. Yeah. And and Jordan makes those same decisions in the insurance firm where, right, because there's no one better. I mean, and, and what we do, there's there's no one better. We're all really, really, really good. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the, the best and most responsible thing to do is to go, okay, how can I really take care of you? What's the depth of my abilities with what you're doing? And I, I just am very careful in those relationships by making sure that I bring value. And if I'm not bringing value, if I'm not helping you lower your overhead, if I'm not helping you make some money, if I don't have a network that can supply you, if I can't support you, then I know I'm not the best fit for you. And the right thing for me to do is to go ahead and, and, and let that separate. Yeah. Yeah. So I do. I think it's the, it's the ownership of, okay, am I really, really bringing something here? And if I can't bring more to your setup, then I know that there's, there's so many great, great programs out there, great agents, great companies, agencies that can absolutely take care of you. So I just know how to refer people to where I think they need to be. Yeah. And that's, that's huge. That is, that, that's enormous. And it's, and it's hard to grab that, right? You're, you're, cause you just want to say yes to so many things. I think we all right? felt that desperation piece. Yeah. I mean, if I'm being honest, it yeah. was, it, it was, and no good decisions are made in desperation. No, not. no, no, so, no, 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 But no. I think we did kind of feel that mad dash and grab moments. And I think yeah. we all have felt that internal fear. Um, but I do think that what is happening now is we're finally seeing that flip over and now we're all going, okay, okay, let's regroup. Yeah. yeah. Let's do what's best for everybody. And let's, and let's remember there, there is, Luckily, business is picking back up and there is room enough for everybody. And like you said, you know, we're a part of a beautiful space, a beautiful city, a metroplex that it's it's not slowing down. It's no. just amping up. So I do think that the opportunities are just going to keep multiplying for everybody. Oh, 100 percent. And I mean, and it, it is. It's just, uh, again, James says, it, look, you got to imagine that a Boeing 747 is landing with new people every hour. Not every day, yeah. literally every hour here in the Metroplex. That's how fast we're growing. And they're not coming with suitcases. They're coming with household goods. They're here to stay. And that, and it, and, and it, you know, so one of my favorite things I say on the show a lot of times is everything that's a blessing also is a curse and everything that's a curse is also a blessing. And if you're not identifying what the curses are 
and trying to overcome those those problems, then you're going to find yourself sitting there like, oh, what do I do? Like one of the things in the real estate space, right? Technology is happening, right? One of the things we saw with technology and real estate is that it was all a house of cards as far as technology whenever the pandemic hit. And people were like, oh, wow, okay, technology sucks in the real estate space. And I said, yeah, except there are people out there that identified that gap and are currently creating, I don't know what, but they're creating, because this is what you always see, right? They're creating something that's going to wipe out, in my opinion, 80% of licensed agents. I don't know what that thing is, but I do know that we need to stay at the top of the food chain because if not, I don't want to be in that 80% that gets cut because it's not needed. Mm-hmm. Right? I think everybody's got that that technology takes us over fear. I think the thing that helps me sleep at night is that back to what we said earlier, people are doing business with us because we're friends and because yeah. they feel safe. Um, and, and even though you may be really informed and you can punch your information into a computer and you can get some sort of outcome, sometimes you just really want to have a conversation and talk through points with someone about why might this be better? Why mm-hmm. might this be my strategy? So far, what those technologies have not been able to do is have those strategy conversations mm-hmm. the, and the whys and, and, and what your goals are. You're still just inputting data. They're putting that all together and then they're spitting something out that doesn't have that touch. I know when I'm worried about something, I'm not going to find my fears being solved, punching things in the computer. In fact, when I punch something in the web D, I get more scared. (laughs) (laughs) That technology is not solving my problems and making me feel whole inside. But what I could do is pick up the phone and talk to my doctor and my doctor says, hey, this is why I think we're okay. Here's a strategy. Here's a way we can go about solving this. So I do think that even though we all have a little bit of that technology taking over fear, I think the reality of it is, especially what we were saying earlier, the relationship matters. And I think that we'll always have that. Yeah. So what I hear you saying, Jordan, is that word called trust, mm-hmm. right? Absolutely. Which is huge. Trust is the currency of business, Right. And I mean, that's why we live by two core values in all my different businesses that I have, which is the first core value is the value exchange. I must trust you. You must trust me. One side is lopsided, lopsided. Somebody's in the convincing business. I don't have the time and energy to convince nor be convinced. But as long as we have that value exchange, then that unlocks the second core value, which is the value proposition in that your money will always be more important than our money. And as long as I treat your money as more important than my money, my money is always going to follow. But to keep that forward of mind to be able to move things, you know, down the road, right? Well, you just did the the commercial for why we are called core insurance. We are all about your core values. Your core values are our core values. And we are at the core of your success. We want to make sure that we are a part of that foundation. So that is exactly where the name was derived from. That's that's pretty cool. Okay, so let's go back to 20-year-old self. Right. All right. And I know this is because we would want to tell ourselves like 50,000 different things. But if you knew you could only go back and 20 year old self would listen to one thing, either do or don't do this. What would you tell 20 year old self? Besides don't get a degree in philosophy. (laughs) (laughs) Besides besides that. (laughs) For me, it would be... um, to really, to really believe in those uh, skills and attributes that I knew I had back yeah. then, 
right? So there is, you know, again, a career journey there and some life choices there where I knew I could do something or I knew something should be a certain way, but I was like, ah, but it's okay if I make, you know, 30 grand, that's good enough. Or, you know what, I got this master's degree and it's okay that my pay only went up six grand. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, no, part of me goes, I'm worth a lot more to a business than that. Or whether it was relationships or whether it was changing careers, um, there was a lot of questions. And it took it took mentors, and I'm glad they had them. I'm glad glad I had them to say, hey, you should go do this. Yeah, you can go do this. Did you know this was an opportunity? Let me introduce you to somebody. But it was taking that belief that I knew that I had the ability. If I could go back to my 21, 20 year old self and say, you can do this. You're fine. That would have been awesome. And you, Jordan? I think mine is more about I would have told myself to really embrace the skill that I have to adapt. And how strong that is and in that how much it was actually going to serve me overall. And I'm not speaking just to the past few years where we all really had to embrace the adaptations of things, but just overall in the, in the extreme highs and lows of life is my ability to pivot and my ability to regroup has absolutely carried me and countless people with me. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I think that that is just so important because it isn't just about me. I needed to make sure that I was adaptable enough that I could protect and care for and take care of others yeah. and, and teach them how. So I think more than anything, if I could go back to myself, I would definitely really Im- impress upon me that that is my greatest, greatest strength and it would carry me through the rest of my life and I'll figure the rest out. Yeah, and that's... Uh, you know, one of the things I love about doing this show is even when I've got folks in here that I've known for many years, learned something new. And when I'm, I'm always amazed that every time I ask that question, I get different answers, right? So it's a candid response to giving different answers and, you know, believing in adapting, right? I mean, those are things, you know, because we do, we think about, you know, what will we go back and tell 20 year old self, like, hey, on this night, don't go out that night. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm saying be excited for change, you know, yeah. embrace it. Yeah. Because that's that's been the beauty of my life is every time I thought yeah. a door was closing, a window darn sure opened. Absolutely. And 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 being able to regroup to that has has taken me everywhere I wanted to go. Yeah, 100%. Okay, so people want to learn more about y'all, your business. Where do they go? How do they find you? They call me. They call you. <laughs> All right. Uh so one, one stop shops, the website, uh, coreins.us. That's how you can reach all of us. Uh, our Make sure you there. get the .us. I still have a lot of people saying I can't find you trying to go the .com route. So it's coreins.us. Coreins.us. Email Beth at coreins.us. Okay. And then, uh, and we'll also put in the links and everything else into the read more. So if you were driving down the road, and you happen to not catch what they said, you can always go to the website, myexperiencedrealtor.com, click on podcast, scroll down, read more on Jordan and Beth. Thank you for coming in. Thank Thank you for having us.